Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. We are so happy to have Ellen Kaufman-Dosick with us today. As some of you might remember, we had interviewed her at the end of last year. And once again, we have our yearly visit and check in with Ellen to see what's going on. (laughs) I'm sure many people have that question, like, what is going on right now? (laughs) And I definitely have that question. (laughs) Like, so... Without further ado, Ellen, please feel free to share. (laughs) I have no other question but that. (laughs) Why are we here? I actually do have a list of questions in my head, but right now I think I'm just going to start with the biggest one, which is please explain our current conditions and why we're feeling like we're swimming upstream, but at the same time, we're being carried by another current downstream. It almost just feels like the energies are so back and forth all the time. We just don't know which way we're going. It is the question. And I'll tell you, if I had any clarity or any answers, we'd all be in much better shape if any of us had any clarity or any answers. But the best I can figure out. By the way, before I even jump in, it's lovely to be with you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to to join you in this way. And so thank you so much for inviting me. I greatly appreciative. And you know, the, the best I can come up with is the old answer that we've known for a long, long time. And that is that our 3D world, as we have known it, forever and ever and ever and ever is ending. And what that means is that everything associated with 3D is in the process of disintegrating. And that's everything from, you know, major organizations like governments and institutions and education and medicine and politics and blah, 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 to communities and family structures and our own individual internal structures, all of it is in the process of letting go. We have very mixed feelings, mixed responses to this. You know, 3D has been a very painful journey. You know, when separation is available and a possibility, and I can believe that I am separate from you, I can easily, you know, hurt and destroy you without thinking twice about it. And that's been sort of the history of our 3D journey. Mm -hmm. Since we dropped from 5D oneness consciousness when we lost the Garden of Eden. It's really all we've ever known is eat before you get eaten. Mm -hmm. And that's been a really, really rough journey. So on the one hand, we're very delighted to be able to let go of that. On the other hand, we've given countless lives to surviving 3D, to making it better, Mm -hmm. to getting the most out of it that we possibly can. And we've learned how to reap the incredible beauty that is available to us and the deep, deep satisfaction that we receive through the gift of our senses. And so hearing and seeing and touching and tasting and feeling and smelling and knowing, all of those things 
have also made this 3D journey exquisite. Mm. You know, like anything, it's like you've lived in a house for a long, 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 long time, and it's beginning to fall apart, mm -hmm. and it's really too small for you anyway. And so you're getting ready to pack it all up and move to a larger house. And you're so excited and you're so full of anticipation. And at the same time, it's also very bittersweet. Yeah. And you go around and you take pictures of everything so that you don't have to let go of it entirely because the letting go is a process. On the one hand, we feel this incredible anticipation and excitement about the possibilities of a limitless, expansive experience, a new world. And at the same time, we're grief-stricken mm -hmm. at the loss of the familiar and also the beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I think we're very much in what I would call a new renaissance. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally that word, another renaissance, a rebirthing. Yeah. And how long is this rebirthing meant to be taking place? <laughs> oh, for a long, 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 long time. time. Yeah. You know, when we think about the Renaissance of the, you know, 1400s and 1500s and 1600s. <laughs> right. How long <laughs> yes. this Renaissance can go on for. Yeah. That one also was preceded by a huge plague, right? Mm. And, mm-hmm like the old has to be cleaned out to make room for something new. Mm -hmm. And we're right in the midst of that. We're right in the middle of that. So, you know, our rebirthing is really just beginning. Everything moves so very quickly these days. So I don't think it will take 300 years, but I do think we're going to be in the midst of the contractions of birth yeah, it certainly feels like labor pains. It does. <laughs> it does. Or at least another two, three years. Wow. So it's, um, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, when everything is falling down around you, you know, what do you hold on to when there's nothing to hold on to? So what do you hold on to when there's nothing to hold on to? That word faith is really mm. a tough word mm. to hold on to something that is invisible. It's sort of like holding on to hope. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, if you don't hold on to hope, you have nothing. You yeah. are instantly thrown into the volcano pit of anguish and despair. So yeah. I mean, we always have a choice, but sometimes it feels like it's not a very <laughs> fair choice. <laughs> you have to hold on to hope. And so we also have to hold on to that faith that says mm -hmm. that this too shall pass mm -hmm. and it doesn't belong to us. Timing always belongs to the full divine. And it, I don't think it's about surrender, but I do think it is about compassion. Like whatever is in front of us or with us or within us to walk in equal step with, to be in equal step with. And in that then, there is room made for the presence of, of the divine. Yeah. And that's how moments become holy until mm. every moment is holy. Mm -hmm. And we find ourselves then in that wholeness, that peace of that Garden of Eden 5D. Mm. Mm.
<laughs> for me, I feel like some of the old stuff that I thought was done, you know, that, that I really didn't even pay that much attention to at the time. Those are the bits that are kind of coming up a little bit, like the stuff that I didn't think was that important that now I'm like, oh, wait a second, I never actually dealt with that. The faith part, I guess, which is really interesting that you mentioned it because I read somewhere that, and I thought it was a beautiful quote, it talks about how faith effectively, it wouldn't be faith if we could see it. It wouldn't be faith Absolutely. if Definitely. we didn't, if we knew it, right? Faith is, the point of faith is that, you know, it's invisible, it's intangible. But obviously, you know, when we see all the stuff happening around us and when our, I wouldn't say demons, but that, you know, the, the little teeth that are still there coming, trying to, trying to bite us, those doubts do creep in. And then, you know, faith is the first thing that it's, it's a muscle that unless trained is the first thing to kind of succumb to those teeth effectively. The whole world is doing that. Truly, the whole world is doing that. Yeah. yeah. You know, whenever we get to an ending, we have to do a summary of it. We have to do a life review, mm-hmm. right? And a life review requires that we go back and sift through all the, bo- all the boxes of junk that mm-hmm. we just, we threw into a box and we said, well, we'll get to you later, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is later. Yeah, (laughs) we got to later. Because some of the things you think, you're like, oh, well, it got sorted. So I don't even need to think about it. It got sorted. And then it turns out, oh, wait, it got sorted in my reality, but not maybe in my mind or in my heart or in whatever it is. Like there it wasn't so sorted, you know, and I find myself saying things and I'm like, wait a second. Did I just say that? Oh, wait. Oh, okay. All right. I guess that requires a little bit of further looking at. (laughs) No idea. That was still a thing. (laughs) And, you know, and. I mean, I think for me, like the the question that maybe I'm the only one who wants to ask this, but I'm going to do it anyway, is that what are the benefits, in your opinion, of being in 5D? You know, like we're going through this huge break. That's a great question, because I bet there are a lot of people thinking, what is the point of all of this? Like, is there an upside, really? (laughs) We're seeing everything (laughs) crashing, like, fine, like, maybe inside we're a little bit happier. But what is the upside of this whole move into this new, effectively, dimension? It's a great question. It's about as big as the first one we started with, so we're just (laughs) going to... Oh, no, 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 it's much bigger. It is much bigger. (laughs) Fair enough. But it's a choice. It's a... It's a... um, it's a reckoning point, you know, yeah. and makes sense. I think we can't find the word because we're not of five D yet. So we have no idea what that five D experience actually is. We've never been there as conscious beings. We've never experienced that. I can sort of paint you a picture, but you know, I'm painting. I'm making it up from whole cloth. You know, <laughs> it's like. Okay, you want to know what 5D is? Here, let's make something up. (laughs) As long as you make it sound good, I'm down. (laughs) If you you talk about rainbows and unicorns, Rhea's in. You know, we know that the possibility, the choice of separation is the hallmark of this third dimensional experience. So likewise, oneness consciousness is the crux of 5D. And what does that mean, oneness consciousness? It means that we recognize and remember in every moment that everyone and everything and every moment is sacred. That there's nothing that is not an expression of the divine. And so no matter where I look, 
what I see is a manifestation of God or the divine or whatever you want to call mm. that. If that is so, then I must treat everyone and everything and every moment with the greatest awe and love. You know, if love is the only possible response to coming upon the divine, then in 5D, we are upon the divine all the time, both within and without. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the only possible place everyone and everything can be is in love. From that, then, we can imagine that then there's no one in the world who doesn't have enough of everything that is required for a fulfilled life, mm. for full life, right? And then you can imagine from that who would not want to show up for that. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so we don't have to numb. We don't have to run away. We don't have to hide. We don't have to keep secrets. We don't have, we can just be. Mm. We don't have to work at doing. We can actually be human beings and be in grace. You know, that word grace is such a beautiful word. It comes from the Latin gratis, meaning free. So people define grace as, you know, the love is free, it's unconditional. But the reality is, we're made of unconditional love. There's every bit of matter has at its essence love. So if everything is love anyway, why would we need more grace? You know, why would, well, grace is not free, unconditional love. Grace is the freedom to receive all the love. But to do that, you have to show up with your doors open. Well, you can't receive and if your doors aren't open, I guess. That's right. That's right. And it's been really dangerous to keep our doors open and unlocked for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. So we're really not very good yet at showing up and being fully present with all of our doors open. And so imagine a world in which there's no downside to showing up fully to experience everything to keep all your doors open and receive because there's only love and light that is coming at you. How do we then be have become a 5D world when everyone is not 5D in it? Right now, and Liz, you were describing this perfectly, right now our world is very much a Venn diagram as the worlds sort of come together. And so there's consciousness and unconsciousness and limitation and limitlessness and separation and oneness. Mm -hmm. And it's what's making it very stop-start, very rocky, very fragmented right now. Yes? Mm -hmm. And it will be this way for a few years. Mm -hmm. But just as you are not in any way aware of or conscious of 2D energies now, because you're in that higher range of frequency of 3D. So as we move, or 1D even, so as we move into 5D consciousness, those who participate, who wish to remain in 3D consciousness, will simply fade out of general consciousness. Okay. Right? It so it's a lot more gentle than I'm imagining. 
I, <laughs> I really do think it is. And I also think that when we lost the Garden of Eden, you know, when consciousness on Earth fell from 5D to 3D, there were a huge number of people, of beings who decided not to stay here, that it was not okay, that it was too painful, and they left. And I think we will see that, you know, that as the vibrations raise higher and higher, more and more across the board generally, those who wish to remain in those lower frequencies will find it more and more and more uncomfortable. Sometimes when I do in-person live classes, and we're working with material at a very, very high level. I'll watch one or two or three people in the room just fall asleep. Oh, interesting. They're overloaded. Mm -hmm. The circuits are overloaded. And just like a baby, when the circuits get overloaded, boom, we take a nap. You know, we can't mm. tolerate more. We're overstimulated. That's the end. That's all we're going to take in. And I'm going to sleep now. It's like when you get really wiped after a podcast, Rhea. <laughs> I'm going to pass like, out. Oh <laughs> I pass out. I need to go sleep. <laughs> right. Or like we did after Yom Kippur. It was like, bam. <laughs> yeah. I ain't moving. Yeah. Like right. there are days if we record podcasts and I'm like, I know the rest of the day is a write-off because I'm going to be, I'm going right. to, I'm just going to have to lie down and, and close my eyes. Precisely so. Exactly. And I think, you know, so many of us are just exhausted on a regular basis right now. Oh my goodness. I, I don't think there's anyone who can easily just generally tolerate on a full-time basis these new higher energies. After a while, you get too full of light and it's like, oh my God, let me out of here. I got to go take a nap. We're just being beamed all the time, mm. you know? And oh I think at night or when we go to sleep, we use that time to integrate, to try to integrate all that extra light and love, you know, those higher frequencies. So we're working all the time. We just kind of woke up one day and realized that we were just getting bombarded with all this energy. You know, 5D, of course, in those higher frequencies, things move much more quickly. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Right? And we've been yeah. seeing it now for the last hundred years, how fast. <laughs> you know, there were hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years in which nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at past lives and they say, well, when was this? And I say, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because <laughs> this it could have been 1100s, it could have been 300s, <laughs> it could have been 1700s. It makes no difference. It was all the same. Nothing <laughs> changed. For thousands, <laughs> and now everything you know. Then maybe twenty years ago, we became aware that things were changing faster, month by month, and then it was week by week, and then it was day by day, and now it's moment by moment. It's crazy. It's like when do we catch our breaths? Well, yeah. we don't. No. We'll never catch our breaths again, ever again. So, what would be your advice for someone in these next couple of years in order to? make it as, oh, I don't even know what the word is, I guess, bearable. seamless, bearable, seamless. I think seamless might be a little bit of a reach. <laughs> yeah, bearable as possible. Bearable. Let's go with bearable. How does one navigate these next couple of years? You know, for those who are kind of more embracing the 5D energy, maybe personally in 5D themselves, uh, or, you know, to those who are just curious about what's going on and are ready to kind of move into something different because they're noticing that the world is changing. What is... How would we encourage them? What would we give them as a takeaway so that they would be able to, I don't know, manage manage this better? 
agree to show up. You know, the more we can say, here I am, here I am, lay it on me. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it on and, and show up for it and feel it and experience it and stand witness to it. And don't shield your eyes and don't turn away and don't try to go numb. We've believed forever and ever that we're too little to handle things. And so when the going has gotten rough, we've attempted to not see, not hear. We do it with alcohol and overwork and running around like crazy people. And I mean, you know, whatever helps us be distracted from what's right in front of us. But what's right in front of us, always right in front of us and within us, you know, there's no separation. Whatever is right here is the gift of the moment. And if we can just open and let it flow through us, we prove to ourselves over and over again that we're not little, that we're really big, that we can handle, it, it, it's not anything, that we can handle everything, mm. everything, and all at the same time. Mm. That indeed we are multidimensional, we are fully already multidimensional. And if we can just do that, it's like an exercise, it's like a practice, then we build that multidimensionality muscle. Right? So I guess to expand, we have to let That's ourselves right. expand. That's right. And we're already expanded. We're already huge. We're already fully grown. Hmm. We're already there. Yeah. We always have been. We've just denied that and been taught to deny it. So, you know, we say it takes courage to feel the grief and the sorrow or the pain or the hurt that is mine, that is in my family, that is in a family in China. Courage is such a wonderful word. It comes, of course, from the French cur, heart, as in open your heart, just open your damn heart. <laughs> open your heart. <laughs> and open, open your heart, guys. It's <laughs> not that hard. Just not. Just let it flow through you, you know, because there's nothing... There's a beginning to sorrow and there's an end to sorrow. Mm. Mm -hmm. If anything is true, it's that the only constant is change. If we can just show up. So Ellen, I have a question. Not even a really question as much as a request. Because earlier you shared a little bit of the story of when earth um, moved into separation, right? When the Garden of Eden was lost and that there were souls who decided not to stay so that they would not have to live in separation. And I remember you sharing that story before and explaining that a lot of the souls are the ones who are beginning to come back, right? To help earth get there again. And I always thought you told the story rather beautifully <laughs> and one that I could never replicate or try to do it no matter how hard I tried. But I do feel like there's something very rich that I think given our entire conversation around oneness and what's the point of all of it, and I think it might jog some people's memories. And one that I think first time I heard it gave me chills because there is that sense of recognition. Because there are some, I think, who are on mission or who have really come here for this sort of consciousness game that we're playing to get there. So into this right now. <laughs> so, you know, the Garden of Eden was so beautiful that 
grateful source decided to come and live in the garden. And full source was so lonely and wanted partners and believed that human beings could be that. But in the garden, we were in the age of innocence. That is, we had no consciousness. We had no understanding of the beauty and the abundance and the holiness and the grace. And we were like amoebas. You know, just we had the consciousness of amoebas. When it was hot, we crawled into the shade. When it was cool, we crawled into the sun. And we helped ourselves to eat when we were hungry. And so it became necessary then for humans to become conscious. Earth agreed to invite, to participate in all of this beings from the planet Nibiru called Anunnaki and they came to earth because their atmosphere around their planet was being lost and in order to stabilize their atmosphere they could do that if they put into their atmosphere very finely ground gold and earth had a lot of gold so the Anunnaki came and they came as the other and once there is an other you immediately fall from 5D oneness to 3D separation, in which the presence of the other can be. Yes? Yep. And so when Earth fell from fifth dimension to third dimension, the Garden of Eden was lost. With that fall in consciousness, we forgot our own divinity. Mm-hmm. And we forgot that everything is divine, as you just said, who we are. The one tree of life and knowledge split into two, and the tree of life was remaining upright and erect, the masculine, but the tree of knowledge, the feminine, was buried upside down in the earth and had to go, and the great feminine intuitive consciousness had to go underground for eons upon eons of time. With that, then, many decided that they couldn't allow this to be, many humans. And they left their bodies and they left Earth to find themselves in a higher dimension. And in that higher dimension, they remembered, because we remember, you know, in the higher frequencies. And they remembered what had happened, and they vowed that they would return to Earth before the fall using the wormholes so that they could manipulate time so that they could arrive back on earth before the fall happened and knowing that it was going to happen prevented from happening and um, so they organized and they made a great mission and that mission was to use their uh, merkavot their great multi-dimensional travel vehicles that each of us has in our heart space to travel through wormholes to arrive on Earth and change her story, her story. But the missions failed. And as they got closer and closer to Earth, those time tunnels were collapsed upon them. Those wormholes were collapsed upon them. And the missions failed because it was Earth's decision to fall so that consciousness could grow for humankind. 
and so they were not allowed to save Earth. That collapse and the failures of those missions, because they tried again and again, it wasn't just a death, it was an annihilation. It was like a nuclear blast. And those beings were like smashed to smithereens, like their points of essence were actually smashed. Mm. And so there were mash units available set up around the cosmos to uh, put Humpty Dumpty's back together again. It was actually a very beautiful thing because what that meant was that all around the cosmos, there were stations and beings in those stations who remembered Earth's 5D essence, her beingness as Roja, and remained committed to restoring her to that level of consciousness. Eventually, all of those beings realized that they were never going to be able to accomplish that saving of Earth uh, in the ways that they had originally thought they would do it, and that they needed to birth in to human beings in a natural way and try to remember. And, you know, this has been such a dense place for such a long time that it was very hard for them to remember. And sometimes they did, and sometimes they caught glimpses of it, but couldn't hold it. And sometimes, every now and then, they could hold it and use what was there around them to begin the restoration and the remembering. And so we had periods like the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. You know, there were times when, but they didn't last because they they were not born out of a place of peace. They were born out of a place that had already been corrupted. You know, like we see in governments forever and ever and ever, you know, please opposition, help me pass this thing that's going to help all the people. And the opposition says, yes, I will vote for that if you do this corrupt thing. Things that are born in that way can't sustain. Because it's tainted with separation. and That's right. That's right. right. So it's only very recently now that we come to a time where the consciousness has raised enough that ones who are dedicated to restoring earth and humankind to our 5D expansive experience again Mm -hmm. can actually remember long enough to begin to act from a place of remembering the whole thing Mm -hmm. and carrying it forward in a straight line. And so here we are. And one thing I think I've seen is that a lot of, I would say a number of those beings who really do remember, who had that experience, they really are coming in now. I feel like the younger generations and those yet to be born really are those beings. They are so special, so unique. The type of beings we have never seen before. Brand new breed. They are really a brand new breed. It is fascinating to me. I feel like they're trickling in now, but we're going to start seeing larger swaths of these souls come through over, you know, the next decade, 
or two, but I'm starting to see them. I, and um, I'm absolutely fascinated because they do not operate in any other way, but in, you can't even say it's a 5d way. It is this almost cosmic, who are you sort of way. It's fascinating to me. And I'm excited to see what they do because, you know, they're the ones to me who really do almost carry that body of knowledge that we don't even grasp. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We don't even speak the same language. We have no idea what they're talking about or how their thinking processes go. Mm. It's just incredible. You know, no matter how far along we get, we are always in the process of knocking down walls around us to see further. But they have no walls. Yeah. They don't have to knock anything down. They're already there. It's so amazing. (laughs) God bless, you know. If you ever doubted, (laughs) just be around these kids for a moment or two. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And it's amazing to experience, but it's also humbling. And I also wonder, have we done enough for them? And is there anything more we can be doing? I think our job is to just keep holding the center, the foundation in place long enough for them to have it remade. You know, we've been promised for a long, long time that our world, as it disintegrates, will never move into anarchy. There may be pockets where there's anarchy, but as a whole, there won't be anarchy. That we'll be able to hold the foundation long enough Mm -hmm. for them to make the leap. So our job is to get them there and to make sure they're safe and secure and supported all the way there. This is not the first lifetime that you've worked to bring 5D. You've probably worked every single lifetime. And every single lifetime prior to this one, you've died believing that you failed. This time you're not going to fail. This time there will be victory. So is that where the faith comes in that we were discussing at the beginning of the episode? It's a true completion on every level. And how fulfilling and satisfying could that possibly be? I guess that makes sense. So that's a beautiful way of looking at Mm -hmm. it, actually. I do feel some weird, perverse joy in this work. And I think that's where it feels perfect or how I experience the perfection of it is because I feel so rooted and grounded in what I do because it can't possibly be anything else anymore. That that feels, that's the perfection. And Liz, if I can just say one piece about that, and that is that it's not that we're going to live in the Garden of Eden. It's that in this moment, I am already in the Garden of Eden. There's only joy. I mean, even as the tears are coming down, there's only joy. You know, this one fabric that we talk about is made up of an infinite number of threads. We are each one of those threads. It's up to each of us to be that Garden of Eden right now, to hold the perfection, to be in love. And in doing so within ourselves, we have co-created the Garden of Eden for the whole fabric because we're all connected, right? There is no separation. So really the key to moving the world into 5D is is to to embracing the fact that we are 5D already. That's right, to be there already. We are already in love. We're getting there. Mm. 
You know, it's a big deal to do a life review. The whole world is doing a life review, you know, deciding what's great that we want to bring with us and what didn't work and we want to leave it behind. And to leave it behind, we first have to embrace it and accept it and bless it and then we can let it go. When you talk about embracing it, does that mean bearing witness to it in its truth? Yes. And the truth always is, Rhea, that in that time space, we did the best we knew how to do. Yes. It may not have measured up to even our puny standards, but it was the best that was available. There's not a one of us who wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, how can I screw so-and-so today? No. <laughs> I don't know. I think there are some. How can I destroy my child today? You know, mm. how can I really hurt my best friend today? Mm. Nobody wakes up and thinks that, right? We wake up thinking, okay, mm. here's a grand opportunity. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we miss it. And But we're always doing the best we know how to do. So that's the first bit. And then the second bit you said was accept it. And is that so accepting it and honoring it? That's really just accepting that we were doing our best and honoring the fact that we always want to do our best. That's right. And that we're human. Mm. Yeah. And that it's been a really tough place, this place of density, this 3D world of ours. Mm. I mean, it's just stunning to me that most people are even upright and vertical right now, that we can even put sentences together and, you know, speak sometimes fairly coherently. I mean, it's like miraculous. Mm. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And then when you say let it go, what do you mean by that? As in energetically say, and that's done, that's complete. Okay. So it's not about like telling it, go off now. It's just about literally bringing it to completion within. That's right. There was such an amazing thing that just happened. So, you know, after five days after Yom Kippur, we begin yet another huge holiday. (laughs) That's eight days long. It's a harvest, the harvest festival. And at the end of that is yet another holiday called Simchat Torah. And on Simchat Torah, we finish the Torah and we begin it again all in sort of one breath. And the end of Deuteronomy, of course, is the death of Moses. It's the end of that life. And it always makes me weep because it's been a very long book that we've been reading. It took us a whole year to read it. And most of that book has been about the story of Moses. And it's so beautiful. You know, it ends with God took Moses with a kiss. It says, Al Piadonai, from the mouth of God, God took Moses with a kiss, as in he took his breath from him with a kiss. And God buried Moses, God's self, somewhere on Mount Nebo. And the last line is, and there has never been a being like Moses again, ever. And that's the end of Deuteronomy. And with that, I mean, you know, we do that every year. But this year, it finally hit me in su- like a ton of bricks. It was like uh, like being knocked over. Like we finished that story. It was complete. It's complete. And in the next breath, we say, 
in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, we're completing this world as we have known it, and we are at the same moment beginning a new creation. Wow. And there was light. It was just an amazing sense this year that this is true. I think sometimes we say things, you know, we hear platitudes, we hear cliches, and to someone it might sound the same as always when you start to fully understand all of a sudden the the truth the layers the truth that was always in there just kind of smacks me smacks you in the face a little bit i mean i always think about the first session i had with liz my first soul memory session everything she said at the time i was like yeah so true totally believe it you know like so like so resonates with me (laughs) and then now i listened to it three years later i was like oh it was there was a whole other conversation being happened right underneath there, and I right. just couldn't hear it yet. Right, and right. all of a sudden you just realize that there's so much more beauty and layers to this whole That's journey right. with things that are literally right in front of us. That's and right. until we're able, you know, and it, as our consciousness grows, as our love grows, the That's more right. we can understand it because we're not mm-hmm. understanding it from the mind anymore. We're understanding it from somewhere else. Absolutely. I know that's the best way I can explain it. You're you're so... No, I I think it's perfect. (laughs) How many times do we look at something and not see it? And everything else that is around us all the time and just be in that space of hyper-awareness all the time. And I guess that's what you mean by the now moment. That's showing up. That's That's showing up. That we get to see things that have always been there, but we never had the presence to notice it before. Mm-hmm. We never, you know, it was here, and we could never meet it, mm-hmm. right? And now we're beginning to meet it sometimes. You said it so beautifully earlier, Liz, that, you know, we grab a little bit, and then we have to back off and let it integrate, and then we grab a little bit more, and then we have to mm-hmm. back off and let it integrate, very much like infants you know we Mm. can tolerate being awake and seeing this vast amount of stimulation for 15 minutes and then that's and then that's all we can tolerate right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i think it's very much a long birthing process i just want to take a moment and remind everyone Uh, yes about Yes, about Rabbi Wayne Dasik's new book, Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People, in which, I mean, if you haven't grabbed it yet, please do. It will solidify your sense of faith, and it is the best story about the Garden of Eden I know. Oh, wow. (laughs) The best story about 5D, about what's coming, and how we can enable that. Ellen, is it available on Kindle or just in hardback? It is available on Kindle. Great, absolutely. Great. Yeah, it's a, it's it is it's a perfect book. Yeah, yeah. I've no doubt. I have. I own all of his books. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, this this one is the cap. So beautiful. People mm. describe weeping their way through it because wow. it's so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I I have a final question for you, Ellen. Kind of bringing that in a little bit. It's like you know when we talk about mission and partnership and kind uh-huh. of purpose and all the rest yes. of it. It's very yes. obviously 
you know, you and your husband, you are very much both doing different things, but somehow they intertwine. And I wonder whether just from a practical perspective, you could tell us a little bit of how you guys support each other, how it actually works. That's a really big topic for <laughs> our podcast and relationships. And we know that they're all changing and the 3D paradigm of relationship is shifting, but we do understand soul partnership will remain so long as there are those of us on mission. And right. um, she sees she sees me with my husband and she's like, Okay, that's cool. A little boring, but cool. <laughs> oh, no, it's not boring. It's very stable and nice. <laughs> but, I, but I'm, you know, it's just interesting because I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just like the perennial student. So I'm just curious to see how it. How yeah. It well, I think the first thing is that our offices are on either side of a, like a 20 foot hallway. The doors are almost always open, you know, except when I have a client. And so there's just a constant back and forth, sharing and communication, and the dance that goes with that. And it's a, you know, it's a challenging dance sometimes. What's important, I think, is that you just keep the dance going, you know, that you just keep sharing and keep talking. Because, you know, one of Rabbi Wayne's sermons this year was that, you know, the only thing that is certain is uncertainty. Just like you have to just keep showing up to yourself and the world, you have to keep showing up to, you know, your partnering as well, because it's changing moment by moment. And most of the time, I can't keep up with it. And neither can Rabbi Wayne. And so, you know, there's a dance. Does it ever get tense having so much, um, always being in constant proximity? Or as you said, it's more of a dance, so it, it doesn't. Right. No, there's no tension that I'm aware of in the constant proximity. <laughs> there is tension when there's a lessening of that proximity. That's my experience anyway. I definitely think a lot of people can relate to that. Every morning I ask that I am aware that everything that is in front of me is perfect and a gift being offered to me and please let me accept it. It's it helps because sometimes it doesn't feel very perfect. I think acceptance is a really good word because part yeah. of that, when you accept it, it's bringing it to you. But accepting it also means seeing it for what it is. Yes. Accepting has a lot of different meanings to it. Yes. And as you know, we're talking about kind of the head meanings and the heart meanings. The world, the word acceptance is so powerful just as the word responsibility is so powerful. You know, these words have such a degree of power within them and we Absolutely. we sometimes don't stop and realize what they really mean. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In the dictionary, CEPT is from the same source. It means to receive, right? Mm. To take in. So sept and sieve, to take in. Yeah. yeah. And AC is too, so it's to take in. Is there anything else that you've... Honestly, it was just the divine feminine, divine masculine conversation. So we're going back to the original story. It okay. may just be the start of our conversation that carries on another time. But when Earth fell from 5D to 3D, humankind and everything automatically then was given the free will to choose separation if that's what was desired. In 5D, you have an infinite number of choices, but separation is not one of them. As soon as you choose to separate, you fall to 3D consciousness, right? It's right. automatic. 
So when Earth fell to 3D consciousness and we all were given the free will to choose separation if we wished, it was not possible for the full source to remain on Earth any longer because that would have interrupted and denied people's free will choice to separate, right? If God is present, how can you choose separation? You can't. And so God had to leave Earth. And you can think of the full divine as being the full masculine and the full feminine, the divine feminine and the divine masculine, right? That are united in sacred marriage. So in that moment, the divine feminine was bereft. She was heartbroken. And she made the decision that no, she could not leave humankind, that she would remain so that those who wished to remember the divine could always find at least her. And so the divine masculine left because with the full divine on earth, there was no way that it could remain in 3D. And it had to because that was the plan for consciousness. So the the divine masculine left and was exiled from all the juiciness of human life on earth as we moved from darkness to light, as we moved from unconsciousness to greater consciousness. The Midrash, the story is that once a week on the Sabbath, the divine feminine would join the divine masculine And that's why the Sabbath has always been seen as a foretaste of the Garden of Eden, when there can be full oneness and God can be fully present here on this earth plane. Again, because there is no separation. So as we have grown in consciousness and we are further and further awash in 5D oneness consciousness, the divine masculine has more and more been able to return to this earth plane. But the exile has been very, very long. And in that exile, the divine masculine experienced all those things that we know so well from our human experience on earth as the masculine element of families and communities routinely was exiled and had to leave. As in the men were called off to war or the men were called off to travel for business or peddling or go to the market or be away or be sent to Siberia or be abducted as slaves or, right? It just went on and on and on and on and on. The masculine has so often been separated from the juiciness of growth and life and birth and death and illness and parties and big events and significant moments and has had to hear about it through letters that maybe never reached him, through prayer that maybe was already, as they say in Yiddish, for fallen, pointless, because he was already dead, Mm. through a variety of things. Now we have cell phones and videos, and so our warriors who are far away can participate in family events through Zoom and video but it's not the same as being there. And we all got a taste of that as we couldn't be with our loved ones, even in the hospital as they were dying of COVID in this last year and a half. I mean, we all have gotten to taste 
what exile feels like. Hmm. And we know that it feels like guilt and shame and loss and sorrow and grief and shunning and being left out and rejection and heartbreak and shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. It's not good. And what happens then when those who have been exiled return is that everyone is so happy to have them back, but they no longer fit in the rhythms that have been occurring for such a long time without them. Mm -hmm. And so the coming back is really hard and it's really bumpy. And you talk to any military family and they'll tell you that it's the hardest time when dad or mom comes home finally. Everybody is eager to restore the power to the missing male, but he can't assume the power because he doesn't know how things work. And so he becomes like a puppet figure when the real power still resides with the mother who knows the routines and knows how everything works. And so he's like an emperor who's not wearing any clothes which is catastrophic. It is an ongoing, very painful experience. And of course, the other thing that happens is when we've been at war or out or exiled, and we return to what's supposed to be safe ground again, mm -hmm. and we're no longer um, on the battlefield, we then have the freedom and the spaciousness to begin to feel all those feelings that we had to suppress in order to survive those exile experiences. And we call that PTSD. And so after, you know, the first three weeks of honeymoon, all those old feelings begin to show up again and resurface and have to be acknowledged and accepted and honored and dealt with, and right? Mm -hmm. Yes, And so I think that's what we're experiencing now as a world, as a whole globe. It's happening everywhere as the divine masculine very slowly returns. It's extremely bumpy and extremely uncertain. And everybody is angry and frustrated and feeling hurt and out of place, and rejected, and put down, whether you're male or female, everybody is feeling yeah. that. We all have the divine feminine and masculine within us. Exactly, exactly. And so just because the masculine is returned doesn't mean feminine is now considered disabled and handicapped. And just because the masculine is now returning doesn't mean that he's capable of handling everything. And the confusion is huge and immense and intense, and nobody knows, right? The attributes of the divine masculine are so much gentler than people realize, because we do have this association with the masculine having to go and fight and be masculine, if you will, all these attributes, right? In terms of protection and security. And yet it's the masculine who's quite gentle and the feminine who can be quite strong and fiery kind of created this like sort of lopsided model of the male female or the feminine masculine. And it's, we're having to write to that now, but because we can't quite grasp that because we have these 
associations already. We're, we're just, we're struggling. You know, the masculine, the yang energy is about creation mm-hmm. and making and building and doing and increasing and expansiveness and light and honor and obedience and loyalty and integrity and alignment. And mm-hmm. all of those are masculine traits. Yeah. The feminine, of course, is about power and abundance, both from the earth. But along with that, then, if you think about earthiness, is darkness and shadow and contraction and uh, embrace and encircling and enwombing and holding. And all of that is valuable. There's none of that that's not valuable and necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. It just stops working well when I insist on living your life for you Hmm. so that you can live my life for me, right? Yeah. (laughs) When we say, I'll give you my power if you give me your love, that Mm -hmm. ceases to work. I guess that's not really dancing, is it? It's not. It's an abdication of self. And soon there's nothing of me left for you to love, and there's nothing of you left for me to dance with, right? Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ellen. And thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank thank you you so much for allowing me to be with you. It's such a great treat. I mean, imagine the luxury of getting to talk about spirit in this kind of depth and deliciousness with two deep and delicious women. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review.